You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. You know, we started off last week in, uh, you know, where I started a new series called Unlikely People, Unlikely Places. And we started in Psalms 139, 14. We're going to start there again. Because uh, I want to remind you of, of what I started with last week, that you were born to win. Amen. You know, so often we think we're born to lose. And if you have what we, some people say, well, I just have bad luck, or these just don't work out for me, or, or I made this decision and I regret it, or this thing or that thing, or I, I was raised in a difficult environment, or I've done this and I've done that, I want you to know something, that uh, that beeping's part of the sermon. It's <laughs> emphasis. No, it's not. Uh, but uh, I want you to know that regardless of the situation you were born in or regardless of the situation your choices have taken you, when you really submit to God, your life to God, he'll turn it around because he created you to win, not to lose. He created you to be blessed, not cursed. He created you to be fortunate, not unfortunate. Or someone might say lucky and unlucky. He said To be blessed by God, the word blessed means happy, fortunate. That means things go your way, not the opposite. Does it go your way every time? Nope, but but even when it doesn't go your way, God will even turn that around for your good and that will go your way if you'll submit to him, if you'll submit your life. If you believe what he says about you, in Psalms 139 verse 14 it says, I thank you God for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. He goes on to say, you even formed every bone in my body. And when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully, shaping me from nothing to something. You were nothing. We were all nothing at one time. But when God got his hands on us, he created us into something. In Romans, go with me to Romans, chapter 8, verse 37. He talks about encountering uh, in the scriptures above it a bunch of difficulty. Uh, you know, even death. He, he talks about just encountering tons of difficulty. Then in verse 37, he says something really powerful that, um, let me find it real quick, verse 37. He says, yet even in the midst of all these things, all these difficulties, all these problems, he's saying, despite them all, despite all these difficulties, despite problems and issues that you've created, others have created for you, that you've just been born in or lived in, he said, despite it all, He said, yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. He made you to win. He made you to even win over the problems, over the Goliaths and the Red Seas and all the things, all the giants, all the things that are designed to stop you, over all the obstacles, over the mountains that you have to face. He designed you to overcome every single one of them. He's speaking about you and me right here. He said, We triumph over them all, for God has made us. Did you catch that? God has made us to be more than conquerors. He created you and me to be more than conquerors. He said, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. He says in this same chapter, he said, even what was meant for, for evil... 
was meant to go against you. He said, I'll even turn that around for your good. But he said, you have to qualify for it. You have to love me and fulfill the call. And when you love me, you're saying, God, I want your will for my life, not my will. I want your plan, not my plan. He said, those who love me like that, I will turn around even what was meant for evil, even what was meant to hurt you, harm you, stop you, slow you down. He said, I'll turn that around and that'll turn around for your good too. He says over and over again, despite all these issues, all this stuff, we were born to win. We were born to triumph. We were more. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We're more. We're not just a conqueror. He says you're more than a conqueror. That means you'll just not survive. He's, he doesn't want us to live in survival. He wants us to live in thrival. If you look that word up, I don't know if that's in the English dictionary, but I, it's still a good word. He doesn't want us to live and survive. He doesn't want us just to, to overcome. He wants us to be more than overcomers. We're, we're more. That means we overcome it, and on the other side of it, we honor God and we bless other people's lives. That our overcoming is more than overcoming, more than conquering, because it leads others to conquer, others to overcome, and it leads them to more. That our overcoming touches other lives. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. Because you lead others to victory. Lead others to triumph over these issues and stuff in life. You are born to be a winner. Let me say it again. You were born. You were created by God in your mother's womb to be a winner, not a loser. To be, to be fortunate, not unfortunate. To walk in God's plan and blessing. But the choice is ours. God gives very few things in all of the universe a choice. But he gave all of us, his creation, a choice. You can choose to be his son or daughter or not be. You can choose his plan for your life or not his plan, your plan. He gave us, a, a, because God's a God of freedom, he gave us free will, a choice to make. And when you choose him, oh, look out. The Bible says a man that loves God plans his way, otherwise you make a plan. But during that plan, God guides your steps to exactly to the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And through all the, the obstacles that Satan and life will throw in your way, even some of your poor choices, he'll say, listen, if you keep turning back to me, I'll cause you to be more than an overcomer over all of that too. He said, man, I'll, I'll take you places you just dreamed of. Man, I, I, I tell you, God has taken Julie and I places we just dreamed of. So many dreams he's made come to pass. It's one thing to dream a dream. There's a lot of dreamers, but there's not a lot of people who live the dream. And the reason that is, is because you have to submit uh, your plan to his plan. And some of you say, well, okay, then I'll just go in the ministry. Maybe that's not the plan for you. That's what some people think that means. God wants you to do your best with what you have right now. So many people, okay, next year, next month, when this happens. No, no, no. God's waiting for you to do, to take what you have right now and do something with it. We'll talk more about that if we get to that, this sermon. I guarantee you we'll get to it next week. The top four things you need to know that God wants us to know in order to fulfill his will, his plan for our life. But I want you to go someplace with me. Go with me to John chapter 8 because we're talking about unlikely people doing very unlikely things and being in some very unlikely places and how God loves to use those situations and circumstances Oh, he's so incredible. 
uh, at this. And there's a story right here in the book of John that is just phenomenal. Starting in verse 3, chapter 8, verse 3, it says, Then, in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us what, uh, what do you say we should do with her? They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him. Everybody say trap. Trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. Now, the reason I read and had you emphasize trap is because I want you to understand this is a trap. They knew this woman. They knew she was an adulterer, a prostitute. They knew she was sleeping around. And the reason you know that it was a trap is because they didn't bring the man with her. It was probably one of them. Because that's how religious people are. The more religious someone is, uh, and man, I, that spirit of religion is so wicked. We're going to talk about how it treats people here in just a minute. But that, that religious spirit that thinks, uh, that, that, that convinces people that they're up here and everybody else is below them. There's whole churches that talk about, hey, the reason there's only 20 of us is because we're up here. We're more righteous than everybody. These big churches, they just accept everybody. We're, we're better. We dress better. We, we act better. You know, we're just better. Man, that's that, religion, that foul religious spirit right there that thinks it's better than everybody else. And that's the religious spirit in which they brought this woman, and they didn't bring the man with her, just the woman, and threw her in the middle of the crowd. Can you imagine what she felt like? How would you like to, when you committed a sin, be drugged to the middle of the crowd and thrown in the middle? That's what they did to her. Little did they know. Because religious people always think they're smarter than God. Let me tell you, let me say that again. Religious people always think they're smarter than God. And so, Jesus does this. It says, but Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, now, I think it's interesting, too. They're angry at Jesus. And they're demanding. They're, they're yakking and talking and demanding. Man, we haven't we seen that religious spirit? And, and so um, he said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. That's what Jesus stands up and says. Basically, he who has no sin, throw the, go ahead. You throw the stone. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, verse 9, her accuser slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest. The reason the oldest dropped their rocks first is because the longer you live, the more you realize you're living on the mercy and grace of God. You're living on the mercy and grace. So the oldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, Then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go, go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. You know, I want to point out a couple of things here. One, that, you know, 
this woman came as she was an adulteress. She knew it was true. I think we're going to find out later not only adulteress but a prostitute. Because most people believe this is Mary Magdalene. If you look at any Bible scholars, they're going to trace it back. They're going to say this is Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. And so I want to point that out, that she knew she was guilty and had come as a prostitute, as an adulteress. But you notice how when she encountered Jesus, the first thing he dealt with was her sin. And he said, listen, he didn't say, you know what, just keep doing what you're doing. You're okay. I love you. You notice he didn't say that? He didn't just say, pat her on the head and say, I love you just the way you are. Go. No. He said, go and sin no more. Don't live this life of sin anymore. Listen, when we encounter God, we do come as we are. And that's how God wants us to come as we are. But he, do, he doesn't leave us that way. He'll never leave us the way we are. And he'll deal with our sin in our life to get that out. And the same time he's taking away the sin, he starts adding the right things into our life. He'll take away the sin. He's going to deal with sin issues right off the bat. That's why a lot of people run from him because he begins to deal with their sexual sin, their addictions, their bad attitudes, all their stuff. And a lot of people are like, I'm not changing, and they run. Instead of running to him, they run away because he's immediately going to begin to change your life when you meet Jesus the Lord. Why? Because he loves you. He loves us. He wants to change our lives for the good. The best thing that could happen to her is that she stops living like this. And so, if, if you go with me to, uh, wow, you're right there in John 8. Go with me to Luke 7, the book of Luke. All these are tied together. All these stories are tied together. Matter of fact, it's, this is the reason they believe it's Mary uh, Magdalene, uh, because some of these stories are tied directly to this woman, to now this next woman that's here in the same city, same place, and now Jesus has another encounter in chapter 7, starting in verse uh, 37. It says, in the neighborhood, Jesus has accepted a dinner invitation to a guy named Simon to eat dinner, a religious guy, in his house. And it says, in the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. Do you know our giving to God is an act of worship? Our giving's an act of, we're saying, I worship you. That's what she was saying with giving. That perfume was a year's wage. Can you imagine a year's wage item that you just poured out on Jesus' dirty feet? But she did without blinking. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman he is, tu is touching him. Isn't that, you know, when I first got here for many years, I don't, I don't know if they still call us this now. I haven't heard this term in a long time. But for many years, they called us church on the run. 
uh, the police department and a lot, of the, a lot of people in the legal system call it church on the run because oh, someone get in trouble, they run to church on the move. And I would hear people say, hey, you know who was in church today? Man, that guy that was in the paper last week or this person that's got arrested or this person that did this or this person is that. Can I tell you something? I was proud of that moniker. You can call us church on the run all you want to. We all need to run to Jesus. Where else should they run to? Where else should they run? Run to the church where the church tells them about Jesus and the hope that he has for their life, how he can change their life. I've had people come and say, man, you, you know that this woman that has done this, this, and this, and this is at the church today, Pastor? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad she's here. Her only hope is to come and meet, to meet King Jesus. That's her only hope, is to meet the Lord. And so I'm so glad they called us church on the run. Jesus uh, was notorious. They said he was notorious for hanging out with sinners. Why? Because he knew, he knew people that knew they were sinners would, would be more humble than those who don't. Religious people are those who think, well, I was raised in the church. I live like this. I dress like this. I go to this. I do this. I go to church seven days a week. I do all these things. And that makes me better than everybody else. Can I tell you this? Romans says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in a fallen state until we meet Jesus as the Lord and he forgives our sins. All of us have fallen. But religious people think, well, I haven't fallen as far as they have. Man, if you've committed one sin, it is a matter of fact, he says, our good works are as filthy rags in his sight. Even our good works don't add up, let alone the sin we've committed. But God loves unlikely people in unlikely places. He loves to use people's lives that are grateful. Listen to what Jesus says. So Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. He said, go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it. Jesus starts in verse 41. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000. The other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. I want to meet that banker. <laughs> be nice, right? He says, tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. Jesus says, you're right. Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still reaping at his feet. He said, don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. See, the reason that the Holy Spirit has left a lot of churches, he's just left. He's been so grieved. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. He's been so grieved he's left some of these churches is because they're, they've become so religious that they're like, we're only 20 people because we're the most righteous. We're the most right with God. People don't want to come here because we're right with God. That's why people don't come to our church. They go to church on the move. They don't come here because they're not right with God and we're right with God. We're the holy chosen. I think they're the frozen chosen. And they've, they've kicked the Holy Spirit out because there's no mercy. There's no grace. 
And that's why people aren't getting saved there. That's why people's lives aren't being changed there like that. Because they're like Simon. Jesus shows up and they don't even, they don't, they don't bow. They don't bow at his feet. Why? Because they think they deserve to stand in his presence. I don't. I deserve to bow at his feet. So do you. That's what we should do, is bow and say, God, your will be done in our services, not my will. This is how churches get, get become, become uh, ineffective and have their heyday years ago. They had a day when they were full, and now, they're, now it's a bunch of older people that when they pass away, the church will be almost non-existent. I've said it, I said it years ago. Years ago, 10, 15 years ago, you're going to see empty church after empty church building after empty church building. And some of them will still be used, but they'll be basically empty. Why? Because they've clinged to their traditions over the power of God to change a life. They think their traditions and the way they do things is holier than what other people do. Can I say something to you? A hymn written in 1822 is not any more holy or worshipfully, uh, uh, more worshipful than a hymn or a, or a song written in 2022. An organ and a piano is not any more is not any more valuable in God's ears than a drum or electric guitar or whatever else we're playing. If you'll read the end of Psalms, God God ends all of the songs uh, with this with with these verses. Bring every instrument, every every instrument, percussion, wind, string, every instrument, every voice, and come and worship me. But some people cling and say, man, I got to have a hymn book and I got to sing a hymn. They, those songs were great and, and we've, we've uh, changed some of the beat to them and, and sing because some of those songs like Amazing Grace, some of those songs are still incredibly anointed. But guys, the, the presence of God on it comes from the heart of the worshiper, not the year it was written or in some book that it's placed in. Whether it's words on a screen or words in a book, man, it, the worship comes from here. But some people have clinged to their traditions and say, you've got to do it this way and that way and another way. And if you don't, you're not as holy as we are. That's what religious people say. And they, again, they think they can stand in God's presence instead of worship in God's presence. But I believe, man, I worship not for a show for anybody. I close my eyes and worship God because I owe him that. I'm in debt, but I didn't know $100,000. He wrote off a debt that I could never repay, a debt that was taking me to hell. That was an eternal debt that I had no, I had no way to pay it. And he paid it for me. What do I owe then? I owe to bow and worship. I don't live a life of worship on how I'm a father, a husband. Anything I do should be an act of worship for God. And so should you. You're talking about an unlikely person in an unlikely place. She's caught in adultery. She's set up by these religious people. Then she comes in this house and does this. This is all Mary Magdalene. Then it says this. Um, he said, yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been, given, been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume 
they have very little to be forgiven, will love me very little. Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, all your sins are forgiven. All your sins are forgiven. This is the same Mary Magdalene that later on follows Jesus everywhere he goes in ministry and serves. She's the same Mary Magdalene at the cross when Jesus is dying. She's the same Mary Magdalene that ran and got Peter and said the tomb was open and brought Peter back to see the empty tomb. And the same Mary Magdalene, the same Mary Magdalene that after they leave and she's standing there weeping like where's the body of Jesus that Jesus appears to and talks to her. You're talking about a prostitute, a known prostitute. She's not someone doing it on the sly. She's a publicly known as a terrible woman, a terrible person. But when you, when you encounter God and you encounter his mercy and his love, he forgives you. And he'll make you into something when everybody thinks you're nothing. He'll take you unlikely people and take you to unlikely places. God said, I resist the proud who think that, they, that their sins don't stink. But he says, I pour more and more my favor upon the humble who know what they've been forgiven for, that they've been forgiven much. And they owe much. They worship much. I love how God takes this prostitute and now she's key to almost everything that happens after this point. She's mentioned over and over again in the Bible, guys, in the word of God. I want to say something to you again. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care the decisions you've made. You're right here, right now. That same Jesus who forgave her, that same Jesus that made her life, he made her to be special, not to be a prostitute. He created her in her mom's womb to serve God. And man, when she encountered him, she went all in. That if that's you, if, if that's how you feel, I don't know how you felt, but I, I know that I quit going to church for a couple of reasons. I saw some of the hypocrisy in it and didn't even realize my own hypocrisy. But the other reason was is because I thought everybody that, I mean, just the image I had in, in the 70s was all these people are perfect and I'm committing all kinds of sins. I can't be perfect, man. I just I, So why do I even go to try to be around God when I just can't be perfect? The first time I heard that Jesus didn't come to condemn me but save me, John 3, 17, man, I said, wow, how come I've never heard anybody tell me that before? Because I felt condemned. I was condemned. I didn't just feel it. I was. I was actually walking in condemnation. I was guilty, and I was. if I would have died, I would have been in hell forever. But fortunately, God had mercy on my life, spared me through a lot of junk that could have cost me my life, and he saved me that day. And from that day forward, I never ran away from him. Even when I fell, I'd get up and run to him. Why? Because, man, who's forgiven much? The person that's forgiven much owes much. I owe much. And guess what? You do too. You do too. You owe much. And when you realize that and you live that with that gratitude and that gratefulness, man, God will take you to some unlikely places and he'll do some stuff in your life that you never thought would be possible. Now, you might think, well, I'm gonna be a great this or I'm gonna be a great that. Listen, yeah, that might be true. You might be the greatest dad to your, to your family. You might be the curse breaker. 
You might be the one that God says, I'm going to use you to break the curse of addiction and alcoholism and divorce. I'm going to use you to break these cycles of these issues in your family. You might be the curse breaker. And you might be the most unlikely person to do that because you were addicted and you led the way and you did all that, but you met Jesus. And you bowed and worshiped at his feet and you said, I'm going to break the curse. I'm going to break this. I'm going to stop this cycle. I'm not letting this continue in my family line. You might be the mom or dad who does that. You might be the person that says, no more sexual sin like this. I'm, not, I'm breaking this curse. We're not living like this anymore. This abuse is stopping with me. You might be that dad, that mom. You might be the person that leads your family to whole new places and gives your children a platform that you only dreamed of having. You might be the business person. The Bible says a wise, build, a wise man builds a family, builds a business, and builds his community. You might be the one that runs for public office and changes this community. You might be the one that builds a, a great family that leads your children to do great things. I'll never forget Joel Osteen. I, I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about him, but Julie and I sat in a room with him with just a handful of people, and I watched him gut cry over his daddy. And he said to all of us, he said, are any of you willing to be John Osteen, his daddy, so that one of your children could be Joel Osteen? He realized his life was built on the grace of God and what his daddy had done. His daddy was a curse breaker. His family were a bunch of, I mean, his grandmother uh, chewed, chewed tobacco to her teeth rotted out. Grandmother. They were backwoods moonshiners. I mean, generational moonshiners out in the backwoods of Texas. Uneducated, backwards, living, ungodly to the hilt. And John was the only one in that family that accepted Jesus as the Lord and broke that curse off his family. John Osteen. Maybe some of you are called to be that, to be the trailblazer. Maybe some of you are called to change this whole community to honor God. I don't know, but I know this, that if you submit your will to God, and you, you say, God, I'm going to plan and I'm going to do and I'm going to take these next steps. But anytime you want to intervene and guide me, direct me, I'm going to trust you that you made me from purpose and gave me a future and a hope. And that, you, that you're, you're teaching me how to win and be victorious. That you're going to get me past this. And yes, you'll get me past that. You'll get me past that disappointment, that hurt, that regret. You're just going to keep getting me past stuff. Because I know you created me for something. That I'm an unlikely person. I know, Lord. And you're going to take me to some unlikely places. But God. You are the God that all things are possible through. All things. You made everything possible through Jesus Christ. I can't imagine how Mary Magdalene felt being there at all these moments. Helped wrap Jesus' body. Saw the empty tomb. Then talked to the resurrected Lord. She's written in a book that will last forever. Wow. A prostitute. An adulteress. Man, only God can clean up lives like that. And those of us who realize that our sin is just as equal to anybody else's, you'll live like this. And God will do special things with your life. He'll change other lives. Not just your family, but if you'll let him, he'll change other lives through you.
He'll impact others with your story. Oh, 28 years ago, almost, almost this month, I think it's, I think it's August, uh, Church on the Move was formed. Um, it's, it's incredible how, how it is. It's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's exactly 28 years ago this coming August. But right around June of, this, of 28 years ago, Church on the Move began to be formed. It started in June. So I didn't even realize that till today. I, I realized that, that it started that many years ago in this month that, that they began to change everything and change the name of the church and change everything. It started in the month of June. I didn't realize that when I began to tell our church's story. That we began across the street and some of you were kids over there and some of you attended over there. Some of you grew up in this church and now you're raising your children here. And we showed those pictures of the old church and the old KOTM and, and what all God has done through us, through our lives. And the impact we're having on generations of other families. I talked about that and I want to talk about those four things that you need to know. But I'm not going to get, those, get to those till next Sunday. Four things God wants you to know. But I do want to tell the rest of our story. I want to share with you some information that you might or might not know. Most of you probably don't know. But you need to know. You need to know why Church on the Move is so blessed. Why we're such a blessed uh, church. This is why. We've given away in total donations from uh, January 2002, when Julie and I first came here, to June 2022, $4,208,956. That's what we have done. $3,000,000 of that was local. That's how much money we've given away. We just did the first responders dinner. We had 170 to-go boxes and several hundred uh, men and women in our first responders come through and eat lunch with us. It was full. Every table, almost every chair was full. And they get, kept getting called out and having to leave and come. They, they'd get called out and come back. Someone had already taken their table. It just was a constant ebb and flow of men and women from our first responders. Man, we have done that for 19 straight years. Fed them ribeye steak. And people were saying, Pastor, steak is so high, the cost of meat, you know, we can get it cheaper over here, cheaper over there. And I said, no, mm -mm. not going to do that to our first responders. We're going to order the same steaks we always did from Sam's. They're special cut steaks. They special cut them for us and bring them in for us. I said, and we'll pay whatever price they charge us because they're worth it. All you first responders, you're worth it. Every one of you are worth it. Why people are celebrating criminals and, and, and calling the police the worst. Man, guys, we're not going to celebrate criminals. We're going to celebrate our men and women who risk their lives for us every day. That's who we're going to celebrate. And you know what happened? Right in the middle of that, Sam's just decided to have a $5 off, uh, uh, $5 a pound off for uh, steaks this month. So that's what we got them for $5 off a pound. So... You know, God's just good. When you don't compromise and you got, give and you honor, God will bless you. And so we've done that for 19 years. Guys, from, from all that we've given, 
all the stuff we purchase in this community from cement to, to building materials to all the stuff from our staff. We have 64 staff members that work at Church on the Move. All the payroll, all the stuff we've done over the last 20 years, we have calculated, we've put over $20 million in the local economy in the last 20 years. Our church has. We have done 13 years, we've done our veterans dinner and our USO show. The last two years, we haven't done it because of COVID. And we didn't think a lot of the older veterans would come and we, don't wanna, we didn't wanna do it without them. But we're bringing that back next June. Not only are we bringing that back, but I had a friend uh, text me uh, the other day and he's a veteran, Navy veteran. And he said, man, Pastor Troy, there's something wrong here. I said, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep reading. And he said, we have one day for veterans those that have served our country. We have one day for those who have died for our country, but we have 30 days for the LGBTQ community. He said, there's something wrong with that. I said, you know what, there is. So Big Jim had a thought, and I thought about it, meditated on it, and decided next June, every day of the month of June, we're gonna do something to honor our veterans. They're gonna have a whole month. They're gonna have a whole month that they deserve. Someone say amen. amen. And so, and he, he put his money where his mouth is. He said, whatever, it ta- whatever you want to bring in, whatever entertainment, whatever you want to do, I'll help pay for it. I mean, that's the kind of people I like. And so, God bless them. And we're going to do something great next year. Next year's uh, USO show is going to be an Hawaiian theme. And we're going to bring in a luau group that does the twirling with the fire. And we're going to try to do, we're going to do something crazy cool for our veterans. So if they've never been to Hawaii, they're about to get a, some entertainment. And so uh, uh, we've done Unity Fest and back-to-school things for over 10 years. We've done Adopt-a-Block for over two years. We've done a first responders dinner for 19 years. We've done character counts. We've hosted character counts here in this sanctuary for the last five years. The last four years, we've done Project Celebration, and we've done that before. So we've done that more years than that. We've done the CYFD, which is our... Which our uh, our foster care program, the, the workers there have helped us and, and worked with us. And we've done a Thanksgiving dinner for the parents, the biological parents, and the foster parents for eight years. We've done the CYFD Christmas for seven years. We've done an Easter program for them, a deal for them for eight years, reaching out to our children here. We've given over $480,000 to Mexico, to the orphans in Mexico. And that does not include all the gifts that you and I buy. I bet, it's, I bet it's closer to probably 600,000 that we've sown into the orphans in Mexico. One year we did a Love Your City and we did an event every month for a year. We've done, we did senior oil changes for three years. We did, we've done a racism for seven years. We've done family nights for, we've done 12 events over four years. Guys, this staff in our church has done over 1,000 weddings and funerals. We've probably done 700 to 750 funerals alone. Most people in their lifetime might go to four or five funerals. The staff and I, many of us have gone to three and 400 funerals. Preached them, attended them, been a shoulder to cry on. That's a lot to be around. Thank God for all the weddings we've gotten to do. We've had 36,511 first-time, do- that's just the ones we've documented. We've had thousands get saved that we didn't document. Thousands. 
But just documented, we've documented 36,511 first-time salvations. Just since 2019, our Pregnancy Resource Center has seen 109 young women pregnant. We've had 28 salvations there, and they have documented just in the last couple years. We have saved. This doesn't sound like a big number to you, but it's huge to me. We've saved 16 babies that we know of from being aborted. This year in the month of April... We did 34 events as a church in 30 days. That's how busy we are here. This all looks easy. You know, it takes over 200 people, to 200 of our church family just to carry off one service. That's how busy we are. That's how much we've sown and given. That's why Church on the Move is blessed. Because we continue to give and serve. Guys, we've given Israel over $261,000. We, we partner with the greatest, uh, in the book of Romans, in the New Testament says, because salvation came through the Jews, we at least owe to feed their poor. So when I read that verse, I got convicted years ago, and I said, we're going to do something for the poor in Israel. And I found this ministry called Legate Ministries. They feed more poor than any group in all of Israel. They are the biggest food providers for the poor in all of the nation of Israel. And we partnered with them. And they, they have written us, we're one of the biggest church partners they have. We're one of the biggest givers. Let alone, we've given over $100,000 to the Dream Center in Los Angeles. All the other giving we've done, but we've given Legate Ministry $261,000 to feed the poor in Israel. That's what we've done. Those, that's just a handful of stuff, guys. That's not everything. Between the dump and the jail. You and me. That's, that's even funnier to me. You and me. We've all done this. Is that not crazy? Is that not crazy cool how God does unlikely things in, in unlikely places with an unlikely people? God is so good. And all the time. I'm going to show you one last thing promised you I'd do this and I got to do it next week. I, I promise next week I'm going to start off with the four things you need to know. But I said I'd show you where the future's going, where we're going, and I want to show you the video. It's a short video and just a couple pictures. They'll flip up there, but this is, this is what's coming up next. It's called the Oasis. Underneath that will say, welcome to a better life. And this is what we're building next. Those palm trees are fake palm trees. But there are going to be a bunch of them in this park. There's going to be scripture all over the place. Just subtly. Just scripture. The whole Romans road. If you walk this path, you'll read all the scriptures in Romans. And there'll be a prayer, no matter which direction you go, in Spanish and English. That either way, either direction you walk, you, there's going to be a prayer at the end to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord when you're walking through there. That's the food truck area. This is a big, massive fire pit area right here. And then this is our amphitheater we're building out there. To the right is our soccer fields. To the left is a kickball field. There'll be a massive water park. There'll be two water parks, one for big kids, one for little ones. There'll be two playground areas, huge. They'll be the most coolest looking playgrounds you've ever seen. Why are we doing this, Pastor? Why are we building a park? Because of the tragedies we have in our parks. 
You can't bring your family to a park here without smelling marijuana. Shooting up. When we used to go to pull corn, we'd pick up a five-gallon bucket full of needles. Five-gallon bucket. Every time we went there to do an outreach. Finally, the fire department said, no, stop picking those up. We'll pick them up. And they started coming and picking them up for us, but a five-gallon bucket every time. You can't go there without someone drinking or cussing or doing something happening. So we're going to build a park, private park. You can't do any of that nonsense in our park. You can come and bring your family and we'll love on you. We'll tell you about Jesus. We'll have armed security there every hour it's open. There'll be at least two armed security. And we're going to create a place on Fridays and Saturdays where we show a movie and We'll have food trucks out there on Friday and Saturday in the spring when the weather's nice, and we'll show a movie, and we'll do stuff. We're going to have Christian concerts there. We're, we're going to have Wednesday night service probably once a month out there. There's going to be tons of shade. I got an idea from the movie Gladiator that the Romans had shade over their Colosseum, and our, I told our architects about it. They went and watched the movie, and they created a time where they can shade that whole amphitheater outside from the sun. You know, we have two problems here, wind and sun, right? So we're going to solve those problems and keep that down as much as we can in that park. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be an incredible place. We're going to reach thousands for Jesus. We have speakers all through the park. Christian music be praying subtly all through the park all the time. Guys, we're going to reach thousands and thousands. We're going to do Sugar Rush over there, our Christmas celebration. We're going to do family night. Man, we're going to have, we're going to have a blast. And we're going to bless our whole city. We're going to bless the whole city. I'm traveling with a group of men that uh, we're going to go and look at parks, water parks. The water park's going to look like a massive, oh, oh, wish I could show you pictures of the water. It's nothing like you've seen. I'm telling you, there's only a couple of these in the whole nation. And I'm going to go look at them. We're going to build something so special. We're going to do something special, man. Our children are going to grow up, and they're going to know they can go there, and it'll be safe for them. It'll be safe. They can come and play. Jesus will be there waiting on them. We'll have scripture in places all over that place, man, all over the playground. Through Christ, I can do all things who strengthens me. They'll read that every time they go to the park. Oh, my gosh, guys, I'm so uh, excited I've dreamed this dream for probably the last 12 years. And, man, it's exciting to see dreams come to pass and for all of us to be part of it and reaching thousands more people and touching our whole city. We're going to touch our whole city with this. They're going to, we're going to touch our whole city, our whole community. Our God is so good. It's so good. Listen, every eye closed. Man, I... I want to say something to you that I used to be a dreamer but a lot of my dreams didn't come true and thank God they didn't because a lot of them weren't good they weren't for good they were selfish and wrong until I met Jesus he began to use my imagination and my dreams to dream about things to honor him and to touch people's lives with his presence. Man, I, it's one thing to dream dreams. It's another thing to live dreams. I know families here that in our church that they just dreamed of having a baby. 
Dreamed of having a baby, couldn't have one. Multiple miscarriages, multiple, multiple outbreaks, but that was their dream, and they'd kind of given up. One day, God reminded them, don't give up on me. Don't give up. Now they have two beautiful babies, and they get to be a mom and a dad. Oh, that was their dream. God gave them that dream. I believe their children are going to do great things for the kingdom because mom and daddy didn't quit. Mom and dad didn't let the roadblocks and hurt of life stop them from dreaming and fulfilling God's dream for their life to be great mom and dad. Listen, you have a dream in your heart. Maybe like me, it's not a good dream. It's selfish. It's all about you. God didn't create you for that. He didn't create you for selfishness. People who live like that, their dreams, even if they start to live them, they crash and burn all around them. And their fall is great. We see it all the time. We see it all the time with famous people who live so selfish, they end up so lost, so broken, so addicted, so messed up. And they pass an even greater curse onto their children. But you have an opportunity today to say, you know what, God? I want to do what you planned for me when you formed me in my mom's womb. Because I know that adventure that you'll take me on will be bigger, better, and greater. More fulfilling. Matter of fact, it'll be the only thing that's fulfilling than anything else that I could ever do with my life. And I won't end up alone and selfish and beaten down, broken. I'll end up with a family. I'll end up with a life worth living and worth giving away. I'll end up someplace good. My life will matter and count for others around me. That only happens when you finally decide to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He's the Lord anyway. But whether he's the Lord of your life is your choice. God is a father and a creator. But he's only the father of those who who say, God, I want you to be my father. Adopt me. And the Holy Spirit cries inside of us, Abba, Father, by the spirit of adoption. And he adopts us into his kingdom and sets us right next to Jesus. The reason he does that, because he wants us to know that even though Jesus is his only begotten son, that just because we're adopted doesn't mean we don't have every right, every privilege of the kingdom of heaven. I have an adopted daughter. She has as many or more rights than my children that were biologically. She's she's my daughter. She's my daughter. She has an inheritance equal to her brothers. That's how God treats us. If you want him to, your choice your choice. So if today you've, you've realized look, living selfish and living for myself is not working. Maybe you've been successful, but you know it's still not working. 
Maybe you had a mom or a dad who prayed for you. You remember them. What they wanted from you, for you, more than anything, was that you'd know Jesus as the Lord of your life, and He would know you. Today, right now, if you've never prayed and submitted your life to the Lord, let's pray. Let's pray. He's not here to kick you while you're down. He's here to pick you up. Pick you up. Change your life. Help you overcome the obstacles and issues of life. Or maybe you've known him and you ran away. Listen, quit running away. Run back to him. So either one of those, here or online, that's you. Let's pray right now. Online, send us a message right now. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. Right now, pray. I'm going to pray and get right with God. Here in this church, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I need to get right with God, then put it down. And right where you're seated, we're going to pray. Right where you are online, we're going to pray. Send that message now. And in this room, on three, just raise your hand and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. One, two, three. Put your hand up high and put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over this room. Thank you all. You can put your hands down. Thank you all. Thank you. Let's pray with these online and these in the room. Let's all pray with them. And those who raise their hand, those online who sent the message, man, just mean it. Be sincere. And give God what you have. He'll use it. He'll use it. To make a difference in your life and those around you. Let's pray. Say, God, I believe you are God in God alone. And you sent Jesus because you love us. We were lost, condemned to death. And you came to rescue us. And Jesus died for our sins, my sins. You raised him from the dead to prove that he is who he says he is. He is the Lord, Jesus Christ. And I confess that he's the Lord of my life. And I receive the Holy Spirit. And Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your Lordship and your forgiveness. I know I'm right with you. Help me now. Teach me now. Show me why you created me. My purpose the great future you have for me. Father, thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for that. Happy Father's Day, guys. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.